Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Blitzbach. So today, my friends, I am so happy to bring Joanne on with us. I have known her for well over a decade. We are lovely friends, and I just thought her story was so amazing, and I wanted to share it with the group because there is so much we can learn from her. So Joanne, do you mind if real quick I just summarize a little bit of where you've been over the last five or 10 years? No, please, then I don't have to remember it. So that'd be even better. <laughs> so Joanne was diagnosed in 2009 at 59 years old with a stage three inflammatory breast cancer. Um, at that time, she got neoadjuvant chemotherapy, had a mastectomy, unfortunately had some residual disease after chemotherapy in the breast and in the lymph nodes. And I think you got post-operative radiation to the chest wall and lymph node areas. That's right. And then developed metastatic disease in 2012, yeah. um, which if you guys are not good at math, I want to point out is more than eight years ago now. Yeah. Everybody talks about the breast cancer survivor. Yeah. What the hell is the survivor? Does that mean you don't have it anymore? Or am I a failure because... My no. Kid. So I actually think that anyone who is still alive yeah. after a breast cancer diagnosis is a survivor. I don't think it really matters whether you're disease free or whether you have disease. As long as you're here, you're surviving, right? Yes. Well, I'd like to think that that was it. But sometimes you start to feel like, well, I failed. I didn't make them up. <laughs> So I think that's one of those things that I actually saw something written about recently. And I'd love to challenge that thought for all people that you failed. So I don't think that this is you failed. I think that the treatment failed you. Well, like that. that well, like you know, that. your disease progressed. This isn't, you know, you doing something wrong. This isn't you failing. This is the treatment failing you. Because, you know, I think saying that you failed really takes the, the blame and puts it on the patient, which is not how we want people to feel. I actually realized this in the last maybe year or so, and I've started trying to really tell people not that you failed, but that your disease progressed despite the treatment or that the treatment failed you. Because really... You as a group of patients, meaning like not just you personally, but all right. of you, you know, you're doing everything right. And so we don't want you to feel like you failed. The treatment failed you. That feels better, doesn't it? It does. So does. you developed metastatic disease in 2012. Uh, from what I recall, you were, you had disease just in the bones and you were started on Zometa and Fazlidex. And you actually got five years of just Fazlidex controlling your disease. And then I think your primary actually found that you had some elevated liver function tests. Yes. And yes. you were diagnosed with a new spot in the liver. And I think they actually biopsied that at some point, right? Oh, yeah, that was a treat. Yeah. <laughs> that was a treat. Mm, yeah. For sure. 
And as time went on, I think that at that point, you also were found to have a spot in the brain and you got a course of stereotactic radiation to the brain. Um, we're switched to Ibrantz, Exgeva, and Femera, and we're on that for a couple of years, had some progression in the brain, I think had a second course of stereotactic, and then ultimately got whole brain radiation. And from April of last year to now, you've been on Abraxane um, as well. Mm-hmm. And so what if you had advice for people who are just starting out after finding out that they developed metastatic disease? Would you have any words of wisdom for them? Oh, don't I wish. I, I think it's sometimes you just have to like, just forget about it. Just, yeah. It, it is what it is. You know, do what the doc says. Hopefully it doesn't progress quickly. And just get out there and do what you got to do. Right. Life, and do what you want to do, right? Don't yeah. wait. It's like, don't wait. Don't, don't waste time. You can get things prepared, but you would do that whether you had metastatic breast cancer or not. For sure. It's and, a wise you know, thing to do to have all your affairs in order right. at any point, because who knows, it's possible that any one of us could get into a car accident tomorrow. And if mm-hmm. we don't have all that stuff taken care of, we leave our family with quite the mess. So really, I think that's good advice that all of us should be doing that and making sure that's in order. And then you can relax and then worry about things like I have to get my bathroom redone because the plumbing leaked. Okay, great. <laughs> you know, take care of more important things. You know? Right. So, you know, it's, it is interesting that just because you develop metastatic disease doesn't mean that all the other little irritations of life stop, right? You still get to continues. deal with them too. Occasionally you pull out the card. You don't want to pull it out too often, but sometimes you pull the card. I call it the cancer card. Yeah. What do you say when you pull out the cancer card? Well, this is my latest one. I I really think one of my best, my finest moments. My daughter is dealing with a lemon law issue. So anyway, I had, she said, here, take the car. She wanted my old car that she knew would work. So I take this one because they tell her it will work, but she doesn't believe it. So I go down to get my treatment, drive the car down. No problem. My nephew's here with Frank. And I said, be prepared in case the car doesn't start. <laughs> anyway, so we get, I get out and I get into the car and it's dead, 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 nothing. Right. So I call my daughter and she goes, well, have Brian come pick you up, but take a video of you with the car. I said, oh, dramatic interpretation. So <laughs> I, my nephew's got the video. I said, imagine I've come out of chemotherapy to find a dead vehicle. This is just unacceptable. I got the bracelet so they can see, you know, the yeah. blood work. And I thought, hmm. Now, I don't know that my dramatic interpretation of this was the fourth time the car did this. Okay. Uh, and right prior to that, they told her, no, they don't think it was a lemon. Well, it's a brand new vehicle and doesn't start. Okay. But I, <laughs> so all of a sudden, after my dramatic interpretation. They changed their mind. They said, yes, I do believe that this might be a lemon. (laughs) So I don't use it sparingly, but every so often. It gets bad luck to use it too often, but yes, you know, the, the I'm getting chemotherapy is a good uh, card to play every once in a while. Not too often, but anyway. What have you, some of your biggest challenges been over the past years in terms of side effects from treatment? the beginning of the chemo, I had the nausea again. And of course I have the doc and my kids. 
you're supposed to be gaining weight. You're supposed to be gaining weight. I thought, well, I can't even stand eating and you're gonna tell me I have to gain weight. I'm not sure whether it was just got used to it or, well, I don't know, but then the appetite has returned, not to the degree it used to be. <laughs> you know, and you have, and I got harpies in my ear, you know, you gotta eat, you gotta eat. And then when I could drink wine again and not get nauseous, life was a lot better. <laughs> and then yeah. the memory has gotten, it's, it's like the word retrieval. It's there, but I have, it's a little longer. You have to kind of like wait for the, File cabinet drawer to open slew. <laughs> um, did you ha notice any changes after the initial um, the stereotactic treatment with your memory? I can't remember that you had any. Um, no. I think it was more after the whole brain radiation, which is pretty common. You pushed it back as long as it possibly could, you know, delayed for as much time as, as possible. Um, but eventually you get to a place where you have to do what you have to do, you know. That was it. And, you know, um, fortunately, the, the kids are real good about reminding me, uh, probably too good about reminding me that. <laughs> Mom, you forgot. Or it comes, but it comes like in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning, I have a revelation. Oh, yes, I forgot about it. it it's in there. But boy, it's like the, the retrieval process is a little come on. I have to have a note for every occasion. You know, there's got to be notes, 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 cross off the list. Whatever. One of the things I've been so impressed over the years is that you really are so positive. And even when something new comes up, I feel like you sort of, you get the bump in the road, you maybe you're upset and sad for a bit, but then you sort of get yourself back together, get back on your feet. What are some of the thoughts that have sort of sustained you through all of this? If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Of course, you know about my husband, so that, that's an issue. Uh, I don't know, but do you mind if we tell the audience? Oh, he has Parkinson's, but it's really starting to affect the cognitive area. Yeah. So that's so like, hard. And it really, it puts you sort of in the driver's seat in your household too. So I got to keep driving, you know, and even though the girls are young women, of course, mom still has to be here. They still need their mother, you know, no matter. Yeah. Obviously if she's making you take care of the lemon car, yes, they still need their mama. What thoughts have you had about your cancer that have been helpful? You know, I think initially when we met up and talked about the fact that you had developed metastatic disease, I told you, this is not a death sentence. This is a big bump in the road, but this is something we can work with. What thoughts did you have that helped? Well, after you said that, it just, yeah, it was a big, oh, okay, fine. All right. It's not today. It's not tomorrow. Even when I go, like I failed the exam, it, it, it increased or got bigger or whatever. You you go and you say, it's it went from you know, this big to this big. And when you have a bit more of a perspective of, right. okay, that's not, we don't particularly get excited about that. Part of what, what it was is you, you used the thought of a small amount of progression is not a disaster is what I'm hearing. Exactly. And, and all right. So I got another little spot over here. Well, okay, whatever. It's, yeah. you know, it's doing its thing, but the size helps me because picture picture it better. You know, I think one of the thoughts that I've seen you adopt is when new things come up, this is just the next step in the process. 
instead of it being, this is a disaster, I think that sometimes what I sort of see from you is this is the next step in the process. Okay, what I'm doing isn't working anymore. We knew that that was eventually going to happen. All right, what's next? What's our next plan? And it sort of let you move from one thing to the next with a little bit less resistance to it. When he said uh, no more oral and and we're going to go to this, that wasn't a surprise long-term anyway. But it was like, oh, it was just easier taking a pill, one pill in the morning and then it was done, you know, and now it sucks up like almost a half a Friday, you know, right. I have things to do. Come on. (laughs) I got things to do. It it is less pleasant being on an injected medication over a pill for sure. Pill was just great, you know. Yeah. The pill is so much nicer, right? Yeah. Yeah. You really want to drag that out for as long as it possibly is working because it is so much easier. You get all that time. It's quiet and nobody's calling your name. (laughs) And and you can read your book for an hour, hour and a half. Catching my See, this is what I'm talking about. You are so good at making the best of where you are. Like when you're now having to go to chemo, you're looking at that as, oh, this is the time when someone else is taking care of my husband and I get to sit and read. You know, I mean, this is what's so amazing about you and what's so inspiring about you is every step along the way, you're like, okay, what good can I find in this moment? You know, because you can either, woe is me, or you can say, is there something to be grateful for in this? Yeah. I think that that's helped you to do as well as you have, because, you know, I think some gratitude for where you are is healthier for your body than, you know, real hatred of your situation. Yeah. Because it does you no good. So what is the point of doing it? Would I like not to have this? Well, of course, but it is what it is. Right. And you got to deal with it. I really, really wish I could have met all these people at a bar. You know, it would have been a lot more fun. For sure. That would have been more fun. I think no one wants this, but you know, the truth is you've got it. And so arguing with that isn't getting you anywhere because it's the reality. So just constantly being angry and trying to argue with reality just gets us nowhere. Exactly. For and sure. of course I have two girls. And if you thought about, you know, feeling having a pity party, oh no, there is not to be a pity party for miles around. They're like, mother, okay. It's kind of funny. It really is. What and are your daughter's I, names? One's Laura. That's the one who lives with us. The other one is Kristen. They're at hoot. So one of the things that I told you when we decided to do this is that I wanted you to put a little message in here for them so that, you know, someday, hopefully years down the road, when you're gone, they can listen to this and hear your voice and have a little message. So do you have a little message for them? A little? You want me to be a little? Hmm. Whatever message you want to give them. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things I'm, I'm I'm really blessed to have had two girls that were, that are this thoughtful and, and, and have helpful, helpful. I mean, you can put all the adjectives there. They're, they're just really wonderful, but I did not want my children to make decisions like, where am I going to live or what am I going to do or my whatever based on my cancer? Cause I thought that's not fair. Yeah. It's mine. It's not yours. Kristen is just, she's just a pistol. She always has been a pistol and she continues to be a pistol. 
I love her. She comes here every weekend and cooks. She likes to cook. Where that came from, I have no idea. It was not out of me. She'll cook for the Sunday meal and then she'll make something because she knows on Monday, oh, you're probably not going to feel like cooking. She's just thoughtful. Her, her humor is different than her sister's, but but she's got she's got some good. She humor. keeps you laughing and she tries oh. and she takes care of you. She just has a heart of gold and she's just been a joy. And then Laura, I found a note from her math teacher in, I don't know, second grade, third grade. It was this lovely note about how wonderful my daughter was and how great she was to have in class. And I'm going, and I'm going, yes, that is certainly my daughter. Yes. She's Aww, she's so great. sweet. So I have that note saved. They've just always been wonderful and they continue to be wonderful. And as long as they continue to be wonderful, it'll be a great day. Right. So, that's such because, a blessing, isn't it? To, to oh just know God. that every day that you've got your family and you're here for it is yeah. a great day. It's it's wonderful. They're, there's, they're just delightful. And when I see my uh, several, several of these other people in my circle are dealing with, and it's, it feels so bad because what I have is so good. Yeah. What they have is. Have you ever thought that it's possible that your struggle is what made your daughters be so good? I don't know. I think what? it's possible, you know? I mean, the fact that they, you all had to pull together to work on this and to fight this meant that you have a relationship with your daughters that some of your friends have not gotten to experience. That might be one of the beautiful outcomes of all of this. Possibly, because they have been just incredibly supportive. Well, and, you know, and naggy, but, you know. <laughs> supportive and naggy. That's yeah, what all know. daughters should be, right? I mean, right. really, know. what else would you want other than supportive and naggy? <laughs> They're just really great. I want you to really think on that. I think when something disastrous happens in life, the family comes together in a way that some other families don't. And so that, you know, I think maybe one of the real silver linings for this for you is that it really did bring your daughters and teach them about what is strength and what is grace and what is family support. Beautiful thing, isn't it? It is. And I, as I said, with all the other factors going around, I couldn't do it, you know, because I know I can count on them. Unless that car is a lemon, but you know, <laughs> you can yeah, count on them for with everything except them giving you the lemon car. I got the lemon car, and you know, and, but I did my job, Joanne. It was so nice talking to you. I think your story is really going to inspire and uplift so many people who are starting their journey with metastatic disease. And thank you so much for being with us today. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Well, thank you for asking me, and you know, it's it's been a ride, it's just been a ride, but. I have been blessed to work with such wonderful professionals, you being one of my favorites, but you know, I just, I, I couldn't do it without all that kind of support, the yeah. support and everybody has just been superb. I mean, and that's huge. What a blessing, right? It's huge. Absolutely. I tell people that all the time. If you don't love your team, Get then you need to find a new team. You know, yeah. I mean, really, especially when it comes to dealing with metastatic disease, if you don't love your team, you're going to be dealing with them long term. And if you don't love them, it, it, you got to find a group that you do love. 
Absolutely. Because I think that's some of the best advice that maybe you and I can give to other patients as they go into a diagnosis of metastatic disease is this is not a one and done thing. So if you don't love your team, find a team you can, you right. can love. It, you, and you have to have a trust. That's For the sure. other too, because if you don't trust them, besides liking them and I mean, you right. Could, but they, you have to faith. Trust. You have to have faith that they're that they're doing what's in your best interests at all right. times. That they know what they're doing. It's a novel concept, right? It was so nice to chat with you today. Thank you so much. Much love. Happy New Year. Okay, and to you too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.